welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Zabalotny and the Matashalakala District Court, Hungary. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 14. And this case we're looking at this week forces us to carefully consider the relationship that the UK has with our European counterparts, even when there are legitimate concerns that those other nations are not up to much good. The country in question is Hungary, which, under what is essentially the dictatorship of Viktor Orban, has an awful record when it comes to civil and political freedoms. Nevertheless, the respondent in this case, the Mataschalka District Court in Hungary, has requested the extradition of the appellant, a Mr Zabalotny, under a European arrest warrant. Given Hungary's history and its reputation, Zavalotny has challenged this extradition on the basis that there is a risk he would be held in a cell that lacks personal space and would therefore represent a breach of Article 3 of the European Convention on Human Rights. As a reminder, Article 3 is the prohibition on torture, inhuman or degrading treatment, and can cover things like prison overcrowding. In fact, in 2015, the European Court of Human Rights decided that overcrowding in prisons could lead to a breach of Article 3 in the context of the Hungarian prison system in Varga and Hungary. That court has offered guidance that in order to be uh, compliant, a prisoner generally ought to have at least three square metres of floor space. So far as the arrest warrant in this case goes, The district judge at first instance ordered that Zabalotny be extradited to Hungary despite the appellant's protestations. They held that Hungary was aware that it had obligations under Article 3 of the Convention and had taken steps to improve conditions within its prison system, including the reduction of overcrowding. As such, there was no need to even request any assurance from Hungary that Zabalotny would be held in appropriate prison conditions before his extradition was confirmed. The case was appealed to the Divisional Court and things got interesting here because around the same time it was decided in another case, Fuziesi and Hungary from 2018, that in order for an extradition to Hungary to go ahead, there had to be an assurance sought regarding prison conditions. With that in mind, the Hungarian Ministry of Justice provided Zabalotny a personal assurance that he would be held in a modern prison that met the Article 3 requirements pertaining to personal space. At this point, the net seemed to be closing in around the appellant, and so they launched an application for permission to rely on fresh evidence in the appeal hearing that was not available to the district judge at the first instance. In particular, this new evidence was a number of reports by a Dr. Andres Kadar that outlined alleged breaches of assurances by the Hungarian government after promises had been made ahead of an extradition. The reports were based on witness testimony with three of the prisoners having been extradited from the UK and two from Germany. However, the divisional court held that in respect of these alleged breaches of assurances to Germany, The evidence could only be considered if the court was satisfied that the evidence was manifestly credible, directly relevant to the issue to be decided, and of real importance for the purpose of that decision. As such, the divisional court in this instance decided Dr. Kadar's evidence should not be admitted, and so the question for the Supreme Court 
became whether there was some sort of heightened test for the admissibility of evidence regarding alleged breaches of assurance given to other states, such as Germany. Even getting started in this area is a bit tricky because of Brexit and the implications of that process. After all, this is a European arrest warrant and is based on, amongst other things, the EU Council Framework decision on the European arrest warrant from 2002 that was implemented into UK law via the Extradition Act 2003. Of course, now that statute has been amended to reflect Brexit, but because Zabalotny was arrested before Brexit, those changes don't apply here. Anyway, for the justices, their starting point was to think about the purpose of the European arrest warrant, which is to create a simplified and accelerated extradition procedure that, importantly here, is based on a high level of confidence between EU member states. Further to that point, there is a long line of case law from both the European Court of Human Rights and the Court of Justice of the European Union that where a state requesting extradition is a member of the EU and the Convention, there is a presumption that the receiving state will comply with human rights obligations and that substantial evidence will be required to rebut that presumption. Such a presumption applies and continues to apply when the judicial authority requesting the extradition either provides or endorses the provision of assurances regarding the conditions of detention. However, this was not exactly the case here because while there was an assurance given by the Hungarian Ministry of Justice, that was not actually endorsed by the Matashalka District Court, who are the respondents in these proceedings. As such, the English courts must instead do their best to evaluate the assurance by looking at the surrounding evidence. Of course, that is not as easy here as it might be for some of the more openly democratic countries in Europe. There is evidence that Hungary has previously failed to comply with assurances to both the UK and Germany, and that is a relevant factor that has to be part of this balancing act. Given that this could raise doubts about Hungary's compliance in the future as well, there shouldn't have to be a heightened test for such evidence to be admitted as the divisional court suggested. Having said that, this isn't to say that such evidence should be taken without scrutiny and accepted as fact. There is still a strong presumption in favour of compliance, and it takes a lot to rebut that presumption. Bringing all of this back to the case at hand, Zabalotny's appeal was based on fresh evidence, but According to Section 274B of the Extradition Act 2003, such an appeal can only be allowed if the fresh evidence would have resulted in the judge deciding the relevant question differently at the original extradition hearing. When the Divisional Court did look at Dr Kadar's evidence on a provisional basis, they found that there wasn't enough there to make a finding of fact in relation to the broken promises made to the prisoners extradited from Germany. In this judgment, the Supreme Court agreed with that view and noted that there was not enough to rebut the presumption in favour of the assurances by the Hungarian government. Therefore, Section 274B was not satisfied and the Divisional Court was bound by the law to dismiss the appeal. Overall, this is a disappointing decision from the Supreme Court that I think shows a blinkered approach to the issues. As I mentioned a couple of times during the episode, Hungary is a notoriously undemocratic and brutal regime that often breaches human rights and civil liberties under an oppressive government. 
Only recently we saw the Belarusian government force a plane to land so that they could remove a dissident journalist, and Hungary is in the same category of totalitarianism. We know that the UK courts are not a political tool that can be used to promote democracy around the world, but that is not what I am asking for in this judgement. There is evidence that Hungary does not keep its promises, and while that evidence is perhaps not as solid as it might have been, when it is viewed in the wider political context, it is clear that Hungary cannot be trusted to respect human rights if a prisoner is sent to that country. On the other hand, the justices were right that there should be a presumption in favour of the effective execution of the European arrest warrant, but they acted like that presumption was almost irrebuttable. Stopping cross-border crime and enhancing security are worthy and important goals, but they pale in comparison to the protection of basic human rights. That is why the failure of the Supreme Court here is a failure on a human level. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. A quick reminder before we go that if you would like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!